On this episode of Progressive Palaver, the group talks to Refical Records recording artist Joe Bailey. Hi and welcome to Progressive Palaver, a group of lifelong friends and appreciators of music discussing the greatest progressive rock bands album by album. I'm Joe Beauclair, and on this special edition of Progressive Palaver, I'm joined by my very good friends Ken Gregory and Paul Zotter as we welcome Refical Records recording artist Joe Bailey to talk about his new release, Devil in the White City. Hello, Joe. Hey, Joe. Welcome Hello. back. Good to, good to talk to you, my friend. It's great to be back. Nice to see you all again. I, I want to say, and I have a, a vague recollection of the, the last time we spoke to you, and I, I you you and, and Mark Anthony Kay are so freaking productive, I don't even remember what project it was on. But I want to say the last time that we spoke with you, you had teased your next solo album and something along the lines of darker subject matter. I wasn't necessarily anticipating um, a, a an album about you know an American serial killer. So, hey, way to way to shake things up, man. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, was that was that was that with the Dark Monarchy the last time we spoke, or I, was that I when it, I released Ghosts? I, I I honestly don't remember. It was one of the two. But <laughs> yeah, yeah. It was kind of a weird confluence of events for me personally with that because it was a, a few couple months ago that. I guess Mark led us in on on what the the subject matter was, and it just so happened that last year I had been seeing a woman who was reading Devil in the White City, and so I immediately when I heard H. H. Holmes, I'm like, oh, I started thinking about that that book because she would sort of describe different uh, aspects of it at you know, as she was reading it. And it was, it was really kind of funny. And honestly, that was as much as I had known about it. And so when, when it was revealed that you had, you know, as we discussed off air, named your album, the same name as the, as the book, which is uh, what it was written by Eric Larson. And it's called the devil in the white city, murder, magic, and madness at the fair that changed America. And uh, I, I just, I was like, Oh, well, that's, absolutely spectacular so i guess in terms of source material joe did you read said book and was that the inspiration or did you have something else that drew you to this subject matter yeah so i haven't actually read that book um i've seen i've watched uh, multiple documentaries and i've read i read a load a load about the the whole story but what spurred that right, this this album has been in the making for about I would say about 12 years, possibly even longer, because I had the inspiration to write an album about a serial killer, because um, you probably already know I'm a massive Cradle of Filth fan, and twice now they've done um, albums about serial killers. They did an album about Elizabeth Bathory, and then they did an album about Gilles de Ray, and this, I kind of wanted to do the same thing. So this album, this is like the second birth of this album, because the first time it was like a sort of melodic black metal album and it was all very very heavy and i i growled and screamed the entire album this was a, a while ago and then eventually in the end i was i was past the point where i was even happy with it so i just 
just let, put it to one side, left it. And then it was like, um, in the past couple of years, I was thinking about the subject matter because I, I knew it would be a great album, but I decided to, you know, obviously do an album that's in the style that I'm writing now, but I wanted to, it had to be a lot darker than what I'm used to doing. So, um, that's how it happened. Yeah. I'm deeply fascinated to hear those original recordings at this point. Um, <laughs> so I'm, I'm, I'm hoping, so I'm hoping awful. they're on a, on a hard drive somewhere and, and not flushed away. Maybe bonus tracks on the on the CD limited edition. Exactly, maybe. that's what I was thinking. the The super deluxe expanded edition with an extra CD with you know outtakes and and source material. Just quickly on that before, because I I know everyone's kind of keen to get into the music, but I'm a little fixated on on some of the background here. So I just heard you say that you you know for years you've had this idea to do an album on a serial killer. Did you have to shop serial killers and find the one that spoke to you? Like, ah, that guy, I don't really like what he did, but this guy over here, now that's something I'm, I can get into. Yeah, pr pretty much. It was, <laughs> <laughs> I wanted something that was um, a story that was dramatic, not just like brutal or anything, but something that had a bit of substance to it. And uh, he was the, I think he was a perfect one to write about, really. I have written about serial killers before. On, on my Nightingale album, the last song, Sugar Cane, that was about um, a serial killer um, called Ach Ahmed Shiraji, I think his name was. He was Indonesian and he was like a, he, he was like a, a sorcerer, I think he was. Um, oh. So that song was about him. Fine. Not obviously, yeah. Um, so I've I, always been fascinated. <laughs> it, it, I mean, it, they certainly are compelling stories, no doubt about it. I mean, that's why there's... You know, there are so many books and true crime podcasts and everything else. I mean, there's something about that that I think, you know, normal people like to, you know, think about that. Because it's, you're like, how does that happen? H.H. H. Holmes, from speaking from a selfish perspective of progressive palaver, fits in perfectly. Because if you go quickly through his his biography... He, he winds up with stints in both Philadelphia and Fort Worth. So, you know, we've, really? got, we've got everything covered here. <laughs> nice. Joe, I'm, I'm fascinated to just kind of get into, you know, where, where you went with this. So in, in my brief research of H.H. H. Holmes, he was married three times to, th to three different women at the same time, sometimes um, killing their children along the way for his, uh, you know, convenience. He uh, seemed to have a career of stealing cadavers uh, for personal gain. He allegedly had a hotel where he killed his guests for personal gain. Uh, he was an arsonist, I think, or at least a, an alleged arsonist. There um, were some suspicious fires involved with these buildings, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And, uh, and, uh, and was an experienced insurance fraud uh, person yep. all before the age of 35. Um, and you seem to have captured a lot of those components in, in, uh, in, in your songs. So how, like, uh, just kind of to tack on, Joe, you know, Joe's question, how did you even begin to, to compile this? And, and I have to ask, is any of that, uh, like, original, those original, like, melodic ideas that you had from the previous Serial Killer concept album, uh, present in, in today's version. 
Okay, so just to, just to answer that last question, nothing on this album is taken from the original album. Um, some some lyrical ideas may have come from that, but certainly no music. On the original album, there was a song called "The Corpses of Fraud," which is now what the Fruitful Dead is. Mm, um, okay, so that's kind of the kind of it's the same subject matter, but it's just completely different lyrics. The lyrics on the original record were a, a bit. I was consciously trying to make them. Um, very, very poetic, um, similar to how, uh, as I mentioned before, how Danny Filth would write his lyrics in Cradle of Filth, like that sort of very sort of old style po poetry. This time I've just sort of approached it the way I normally would write lyrics. The difference is with this album is I wrote all the lyrics first and then I wrote the music to go with it. That's how I knew how I was going to, because I, I had to tell the story from start to finish. So I had... Um, pages of notes and then i wrote the lyrics in uh, corresponding with my notes that way yeah and i don't i don't normally write lyrics first i normally write the lyrics afterwards so it, it was it made a nice change and it was surprisingly simpler to do this right this time around it was strange it's simpler to write a nine minute song when you have the lyrics already already set up. is that what you're saying well i, I guess so yeah <laughs> so yes that was kind of my question how how this came up so you had the the whole basically forgive the pun skeleton of the <laughs> of the of the work and and then setting out to write the music so tell us a little i mean i'm i'm, I'm still distracted by the concept of listening to um your a melodic, a melodic black metal album from you right? with Me you too. growling <laughs> um <laughs> But tell us, tell us a little bit, you know, you said, you know, around writing around things today, tell us what's going on in, in your own influences in your, in your musical development right now. What, what was influencing some of the musical choices that you and direction that you went in on uh, devil in the white city. Okay. So from, from the start, I wanted to make it sort of, to make it sound as dark as it needed to sound for the, for the music without, without delving into like extreme metal I, I there's two th ideas I, I wanted to go with obviously the uh, frost you know you know i'm a big fan of yeah. frost oh, yeah. really? they, they they always have that dark sort of synth sounds that happen and I, I knew that would that would work well and another thing was um stephen wilson particularly his second album grace for drowning Ooh, nice that that album is it's dark as hell, isn't it? Well, there's a there's a song about a serial killer on that as well. Raider. <laughs> there you yeah. go. So that that kind of inspired. You'll you'll, you'll hear some um, Wilson style sounds on the album as well because I used one of his sample libraries, which is called Ghostwriter, which has samples that he created. So um, nice. So they're on there as well. So and then I did want to make it slightly heavy at times as well because it um, it, it I think it needed it. Um, and so there's parts, particularly in the song "Disappearing Today," where I went full on extreme metal with you know blast beats and and everything. So I had to get a bit of that in there. So that was the, the main inspirations were Frost and early Stephen Wilson, and then a bit of like sort of dimmy bug air and and obviously Cradle of Filth must have crept in a bit there as well. Frost, I strongly recommend the uh, Day and Age 2021 release. Um, anything for particular from them that you point to i i'll always say the first album million town it's a masterpiece okay. from start to finish perfect but but other than that any album they've done is is marvelous even the eps they've done 
Okay. How about Cradle of Filth? Wrong. How do we get into that? Where do we start? <laughs> oh, God. Um, well, my favorite album is Midian. That's, that's, the, that's the album I got into them through, which was 22 years ago now. Um, so, yeah, Midian um, and then Cruelty and the Beast. The classics, really. Obviously, I would, I would say any of them, though, really. But stick to those two for now. My God, their catalog is long. Okay. <laughs> we'll we'll yeah. need some time. Get back to us. <laughs> I still need to catch up on Frost, but that's a whole different story altogether. I find Million Town a, a peculiar, interesting song, right? Is, is that the name? Isn't there a title track on that yeah. album? Yeah. yeah it, the, uh, it goes on forever. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, it does. It, <laughs> it, you, it feels like it ends like four or five times. Yeah. I remember I was on a long drive listening to that and I, and I kept checking my phone because I was like, okay, what song is this? And I'm like, oh, it's the same song. Oh, it's, it, you know, it was, it That's was a great a, song though. Yeah. Yeah. Pretty great stuff. You know, listen, I think I, I would love if this is okay. And, you know, I can, you know, I can be shot down by any of the other three uh, people here. Um, but I would love Joe. I mean, we usually, when we do sort of, uh, interviews we don't necessarily always go through song by song but i would love it if if we could just touch on um just from the story uh the story concept here if if you wouldn't mind sharing you know just kind of like because i think it's important like i think one of the one of the things that i you know I, I, like joe had mentioned when mark had said to us that you know i think we were talking about his latest release the year 3073 book three he mentioned coming up next you know reficle records would be Joe Bailey's Devil in the White City based on H.H. Holmes. You know, I, I quick took a little, you know, research to see what it was about. Then I listened to this and, and, you know, I think what's really cool about these lyrics is that if you don't know that it's about H.H. Holmes, it's still this very dark and, and there's a lot of great imagery here mm -hmm. and it could apply, it could apply to a lot of different things that it may be banging around in one's mind. But then when you, recognize you know what it is about it it really like kind of comes together really really nicely so i think it would be it would be helpful for our listeners to kind of kind of hear hear what some of this is about so if it's okay with the group i would love it if you just kind of briefly walk us through track by track what I, we're talking about and what we're listening to yeah i support yeah, that 100 percent. <laughs> i'd be happy to do that yeah that'd be cool cool before we do that Tell us a little bit about the arrangement, the, the intro, the, the arrangement. What's, what's going on there? Because I, I actually put it on right after you had sent us the, or Mark had sent us the copy as I was exercising, and I just it sort of arrested me, uh, <laughs> which, which is actually not hard to do when I'm exercising. But, but uh, tell us a little bit about that, because that's pretty fun. Okay, so the, intros, the intro and the outro were both yeah. written last. They were the last things I wrote. So the, the intro is based on the first song, Origin. It's basically an orchestral version of the main parts of that. Whereas the last, the outro is like an orchestral arrangement of the beginning of the end, which is the last track. Mm. So that, that was all I had to do. I basically just took the entire stuck the skeleton of the song <laughs> and, um, and basically made it into an orchestral, um, arrangement do you have that sort of pieced out in your mind before before you begin or are you, or do you are you sort of like 
ah, maybe let's try a choir. See how that sounds um, as you go through. It's a bit of both, really. I, I had the the layout of the piece because I only wanted it to be short and I wanted it to smoothly uh, transition into origin with like a bang sort of thing. So I had where I was going to put parts and then I would just add bits to it. And like the choir was like, oh, the choir would sound good here. So I'll stick a choir in that and little bits of brass in, in the, in panned right and things like that. So yeah, it just, I just built it up track by track. Yeah. Did you get to a point where you were like, maybe one more thing and you put it in and you're like, oh, that's too much. And you pulled it back out or. Yeah. I always do it. <laughs> it's just a constant battle with my, um, what's the word? My, my love of grandiose music. It's just, uh, it's like, I can add more bits into this. And then it, but I listen back to it. I'm thinking, this is just ridiculous. Now I need to get rid of them bits. Do you find it difficult to recognize that line or do you have what you think is a pretty good feel of, of when you've gone too far and, and maybe as a corollary to that, when you, when you're applying that filter, do you apply it like from an external, like people are going to think this is too much, but I think it's fucking awesome. I quite, I quite often have to filter things. I I think I, I, I don't find it difficult to do. Sometimes I will go on and on too much and then I'll be, I'll be listening back to it I think this is repeating far too many times so I'm quite happy to just just grab the bit that's repeating and just remove it and then put it back together mm-hmm. so I, if, if if a song goes on too long as well I think I'm quite happy to remove bits if it if it if I find it tedious then other people are going to find it the same way so I will trim it down quite I, I can be quite uh, brutal at times but it, it, if it needs to be done, it needs to be done. I don't mind doing it. I'm, I'm not going to lose any sleep over it. As long as the main bulk of the riffs that I've written are still in there, I'm not removing anything important, then I'm happy to do it. So so Mark Anthony K, pay attention, because now we've got more things to put on the bonus uh, Super Duper right. edition here. We, we've got you know the, the original uh, source material that was shelved, and now we've got like the over the top mixes with everything that you know yeah. has been pulled back out. This is awesome, <laughs> Mark. You're welcome, <laughs> Joe. Do you, do you do you um, are you like a uh, every single version of the song type of saver? Like, or is there a lot of stuff left on your cutting room floor that you you piece back together, or is it uh, are you more like uh, I'll just call out the band Rush where they claim they don't have any any b-sides or any anything left available to uh, to share with anyone probably somewhere in the middle if i do make these brutal um changes to songs that's it they're gone i don't bring them back so unfortunately joe that that second oh. idea you just had then is just <laughs> not gonna happen <laughs> they're, they're gone gone forever but i do keep songs that i've never used on the albums that they're still in, in existence so i've got hard drives of songs that haven't been used so maybe somewhere down the line um, they will peer their head around the corner, but for this album, because I had the lyrics already written, there were no, there's no music that didn't make it. There's nothing that had to be cut because I had to tell the story. So it was, it was quite nice to have a, a structure to the album where I could, I, I knew what, exactly what I was doing, and it was, it was fairly, fairly easy to write. Like I said before. I, and I'm, I will point out as well that this album was written before Ghosts was even released. Wow. Uh, because 
because of the whole lockdown and everything, I was sort of a bit down about ghosts because it was taking so long to happen. So I thought, well, whilst I'm waiting, I'll, uh, I'll write the new album. And I already had it written. <laughs> Even by the time we were filming the video for Waiting, this album was written. So that probably means you've got one or two albums in the hopper already. <laughs> for... <laughs> I have songs written already, but not, not albums yet, though. Very nice. So uh, take us through a little bit, Joe. Um, origin. Tell us what's going on there. Okay, so Origin was obviously the origin story. So it was a kind of um, based, it's based around when he was in school. Well, in fact, the first line is about his, his birth. Obviously, it's, it's a generic birth story for any baby, really crying and screaming and everything. Right. And then it goes on to, to address um, bullying in school. I, I, obviously, I didn't cover his entire life obviously i couldn't do that it would be a three disc album so i went straight to where he was bullied by kids and there was a particular that um thing that happened that he spoke about in his biography or his memoir or something like that about um kids putting him in front of a skeleton because he'd already already always been scared of skeletons and then when they put him face to face with the skeleton he's found it surprisingly okay and so then uh built up a fascination with skeletons and then obviously um he went into medicine after that so pretty much origin is all about basically how what snapped something snapped in his head and that was like the beginning of it i I'm, nice as an aside i'm fascinated in sort of just looking at the again the, the brief history that in the late 1800s someone could become a doctor by the age of like 20 or 21 amazing yeah, I yeah. chalk it up to the the lack of medical knowledge that people had to assimilate at that point, but just terrifying. But he um, he actually studied um, medicine, though he and he yeah. he studied it throughout as well. He never he never stopped. He um, I think he actually got the qualification from working through it, which is so he, he was qualified <laughs> to my knowledge. Anyway, he just he just didn't use his power power and knowledge for good, apparently. No, not at all. <laughs> it seems like you could get away with an awful lot in the late 1800s, actually. Um, but uh, you paved a path with the eyes of the blind and built a world with the throats of idle clowns. Oh, I, I love, that, love line. that line. <laughs> it's so good. Like you were saying before about the lyrics being, you know, the kind of can make sense without knowing the story. But I wanted, I didn't want them to be, you know, um, what's the word? Very literal. I wanted them to be a, a piece of art without the story. Um, and I like throwing lines in like that. I think it kind of worked. Yeah, I'd, I'd agree. agree. <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh, we're, we're, we're on point today, man. <laughs> All right. So t talk a little bit about the Fruitful Dead. So is this about, uh, you know, digging up bodies and selling them? Or is this, is there some other kind of... Uh darkness here so yeah it's a continuation from the previous track um into his later years when he was studying medicine um so so there was there was a story that i read it was a recent story not not a recently documented story but a story that i hadn't read prior to recently about him having a baby a baby's corpse underneath his bed ready for dissection which one of his 
flatmates found. Um, so I think possibly a lyric in this song that touches upon that when it touches about the, um, I'm trying to think of the lyric now, about, about him being able to stomach the smell. That was it. Oh yeah. 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 Because he, I think he even said that um, because he was dissecting so many bodies that the smell, the smell was began to become normal. And so the, his other housemates could s- smell the stench coming from his room. Um, so there was that. And then the whole, he wasn't, I don't think he was digging up bodies, but he was, he was removing flesh from bodies. And then mm. there was various different things he would do, like um, insurance, insurance fraud, like taking out life insurance claims on people and then claiming that these bodies were them. He also used to remove the flesh, polish up the skeletons, and then sell them to, to science mm-hmm. and make money make money that yeah. way. Indeed. So that's kind of what this song's about, um, about, about the whole fascination with um, the dead and nice. how, he, how he can make money out of it. I, I'd like to take a, a moment and, and go through some of these artful lyrics, as you described them, Joe, because they're, they're just too wonderful to not share. Thank you for the fascination. I've been tightening bolts inside my brain. Thank you for the condemnation, but you couldn't flush my sickness away. You laid eggs in my head and you f- and you fathered and fed, and they hatched when I fell to the floor. You denied and scorned. You divided, deformed. Malformation matured into war. Ooh, I love it. Um <laughs> And where's the other one that I, oh yeah, sorry, it's my education. It is putrid and distasteful on the eyes. Sorry for my delectation. I can't refuse these boundless visceral delights. So big kudos for delectation. Um, excellent palaver word. <laughs> <laughs> Always have to call yes. out when, when 25 cent words get used in lyrics and, and visceral delights. Absolutely delightful. Mm. Um, because it, just that word visceral, right? It, it's not something you come across very often, but when you do, it's such a, a very powerful descriptive word, especially in the middle of all of this that you're talking about. So I, well done. Thanks. Yeah. Um, it basically that, that entire section there was kind of him apologize, not kind of almost apologizing for what he was putting, like I said before, about his, his housemates and yeah. the stench and everything. So, sorry, but this is my education. I need to do this. There's a, there's a line in that song as well. It's probably my, one of my favorite lines in the whole album, which is the, um, I, do, I deposit my hands into Red Wonderlands yes. and, dethrone, and dethrone the inoperative gear. That's basically him removing their organs. Mm, yeah. Um, for myself or a cell, I can stomach the smell to the point where it's not even here. I was so pleased when I wrote that. I was just, I was <laughs> yeah, just so pleased. <laughs> it's just that the, the cadence there, for myself or a cell, I can stomach the smell. I just, oh, yeah, well done. <laughs> yeah, this this was one of the tracks that that immediately sort of captured me. I'm like, ooh, The Fruitful Dead. And, you know, again, when you learn a little bit about some of his hijinks, you're like, okay, that makes sense. And then you get into the actual lyrics and you're like, wow, he really did say that. That's awesome. Yeah. So as we as we move to Doctor Death, call out. There's some delicious seven four uh, riffs in there, and then there is um there uh, particularly I just you know point out that because you know we're 
we're kind of focused on the concept and I just don't want to lose the fact that there's some really terrific melodic and fun instrumental parts going on in here. And, you know, some of these songs are, you know, longer, you know, I, I, not really longer for, you know, Joe Bailey music, but, you know, longer than, um, you know, what we would consider. Of course, we are, we are a progressive podcast, so we're used, we're used to that. There's some great instrumental parts here where there's like a lot of back and forth with the guitars and, and the keyboards and, um, and it's delicious and tasty. Um, but tell us a little bit more about, uh, Dr. Death. Is this the, is this the hotel scene? Yeah. Okay. This is, this is the most fame. This is the most famous part of the whole story. Really the, the whole him building his, his castle and turning it into a hotel. So the story story is that he had, he was in a drugstore. It was like a pharmacy on the bottom floor that he was, he was like the main chemist for he bought into the company because there was somebody else who ran it. And then he was the main chemist. And then he, I think he bought the property above it, had the idea of doing the hotel of having a hotel because of the world's fair that was, was um, about to happen. But um, the story is that he had so many different contractors working on the castle on the hotel um, because he didn't want anyone to know what was, what was the interior was because he had like trapdoors and uh, furnaces, gas chambers and all sorts happening in there. So wh- whenever he thought that people were new too much, he'd, he'd sack them up and get rid of them and then bring new contractors in. So that's how nobody, only, only him knew what it was about. I mean, that there's a, a, lyric, a lyric in this song. It's the blueprints are in my head. So nobody else, nice. nobody else knew. Yes, obviously this is one of the one of the biggest parts of the story. So I had to make it a, a long one, big epic. Yeah, I, I I really enjoy like there's some subtlety. The first time you sing, and when I need you, I'm there for you, and when you need me, I'm here for me. The first time you sing that, there's like this little. It's lighter. You do like a falsetto, um, not quite yodel, but you have a falsetto piece, and then later on in the song, you know, you deliver it more with um your your regular head voice which um yeah the labyrinth a labyrinth within the maze right a castle adorned with praise a labyrinth within the maze such a great line and again like the first time you listen to it you think about like so many things that that could be then you kind of dig into the to the idea and the concept of of what this is about and it, and it becomes clear as to as to uh what that is this my disposable clientele securing my place in hell love it yeah, um, musically, this song was was a completely different beast to begin with. So that entire orchestral section at the beginning wasn't there. So um, bef- so there's a, there's a little um, seven eight riff that goes that bit. So before that, there was an entire series of different riffs that were happening um, that I cut out. There's probably about two minutes worth of riffs and then i i was so unhappy with them that i removed them and then i wrote that orchestral piece Mm. separately in a separate project imported that in and then added bass and drums and everything to it and also in the middle of this song as well there are parts i i I acknowledge there's a part that goes on for a long time uh, but with every repetition though i added something else into it and i think i kept it interesting enough for me not to cut it but there was parts before that that I cut out of it because I, um, 
it, it went on for too long. So there's me, uh, my brutal editing happening again on this song, and it still managed to be nine minutes long. So, yes. Well, uh, listen, I, I will say this in, in uh, I have yet to find a Joel Bailey song that I've listened to where I've thought this is going on for too long. So Good. that brutal editing is, is working for you, I would say. Um, Good. The building Good and the, yeah, yeah. There's a brilliant phenomenon I call the Fascination Street phenomenon, where that song by The Cure is only four minutes in the in the album edit, but you've gone through it and you feel like a journey. And 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 I do experience some of that with with some of your material, Joe. Where it's it's a reasonably length song, but I feel like I've been somewhere very significant in a much longer period of time. Oh, that's good. Thank you. <laughs> efficient prog, if you will. The, the capsule version. Like yes, yes. <laughs> I mean, I when I you know look at your songs, you know, I'm I'm usually disappointed if they're not nine minutes long. Like, <laughs> you know, I it's very difficult to write anything less than <laughs> six minutes. It means it's a push. That's just the way I am. Can't be helped. <laughs> and we fantastic. appreciate it, Joe. Yes, that's it's <laughs> totally allowed here for sure. It's encouraged. It's, Okay, so talk about so "Home Sweet Homes" is the first single from the uh, from the album. So uh, talk a little bit about the decision to make that the first uh, single. I've got two songs on this album that are my favorites: this one and "Disappearing Today." "Disappearing Today" is twelve minutes long, so I, I figured I should release the other one instead. <laughs> <laughs> also, "Home Sweet Homes" is quite sort of poppy, and kind of different to the rest of the album, and I think. Hearing that for first, I think it was it's more of more single material. I know it's nearly seven, nearly eight minutes long, but it's still it it jumped out as a single to me. I just have to stop and say I just love I, I love that you just said it's poppy. <laughs> <laughs> Is that just because there's basically a four on the floor beat and I think I love you in the chorus, right? That's yes, yeah, pretty much. That's, that's what it takes. Yeah, I, I wouldn't. Okay, fair enough. Let's go with it. It's poppy. Yeah. Well, it, you know, it's got it's got a very very, I hate to say it, but a typical chord progression in the chorus as well. There's little bits that have changed, but it's it sounds like a, it sounds poppy to me. I think and, uh, that that's part of the fun because, you know, it it's 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 such a song about deceit, right? And uh, you know. I'll love you until, till I don't anymore, and then, <laughs> and then we'll turn into crumbs. And so I think that 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 sort of you know I'll just say very accessible chorus where all of a sudden it's almost it's almost surprising, right? As you're listening to you know because this is this is several you know, several songs into the album, several minutes, and you know you're you're sort of in this dark and fun place. Um, and then all of a sudden you get this um I think I love you with the, with beat but it but it you know it has that same sort of what we'd like to call sonic dissonance here where or soundtrack dissonance where you know it's the straightforward uh uh part of the song of the album but it and and at the same time it really captures the deceit that I think is coming across in in the overall theme of of this particular song which is pretty pretty cool it's yeah it, I'm sorry, Joe. Just it's interesting that you say that, Paul, because the first time I listened to this, I was actually I was driving um, in the car, and obviously there's you know other things you should be paying attention to, and you're kind of just 
you know, I was I was just sort of acclimating myself to the to the record. And when this chorus came up and I heard the I love you part, I'm just like, am I listening to a Joe Bailey album? And, <laughs> <laughs> but but when you and the cool thing about that in this context is it's sort of like it's sort of a clue of all right, this sounds not like what you're expecting, so pay attention and figure out what's really going on. And and that was the fun part for me with regards to this track. Going back to the uh, melodic black metal version of this record, um, there was, <laughs> there was a song on that We want to hear called... it, Joe. We want to hear it. <laughs> yeah, I'll, I'll dig it out, and I'll, if I can make it work, I will try. <laughs> uh, there, was a song, there was a song on that called The Ladies' Man, and it was kind of similar to... Uh, the subject on this song and the chorus was very similar in terms of it being sort of like I said poppy I suppose um, so it was kind of it was kind of like a, I was harking back to the, the previous uh, rendition of this album with that one um, and also I think it needed it needed to have that chorus because it was he was a very, very you know women loved him yeah um, so you know it, I think it kind of paints a picture of what what how the women were feeling when they were with him obviously not in the end he only ever by the sounds of it only ever got with these women for his own gain usually um a financial gain which i touch upon and that that um entire instrumental in the set in the middle section it's kind of like boots the song from being happy and dancey into sort of something really dark and i think it kind of give you an idea of what's coming next in the album as well, because then it goes really dark after that. I just want to call out the one line. I mean, like, again, it's all good, but we are one when I'm not two. I just think it's brilliant. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I was pleased with that line. Yeah, that's good. <laughs> <laughs> all right, so you said Disappearing Today is one of your favorite tracks. It's my favorite track. It is your yeah, favorite track. It's probably one of my favorite tracks I've ever written in my whole life. Wow. Okay. Just very dark. It's just so many great moments on this album, on this, on this song that I was like, because it was weird as well, because all these moments were born from having the lyrics already there for me. So mm. I would come up with the vocal melody and then I could put whatever chord I wanted underneath it. As long as the vocal melody sat nicely over the top of the chord, I could change the chords around and still have that same vocal melody. And I can't do that once the music's already written. So it it gives it that real sort of, like there's chord changes, not, not just on this song, but on other songs as well, where you, well, if I was a listener from, if I was another listener, I wouldn't expect those chord changes to happen. And that was because the vocal melodies were already there. Mm. This song, this song's got so many great moments in it. I, I love this song. Dead pleased with this one. Love to hear that. Love to hear the artist happy with their work. <laughs> <laughs> I wasn't happy with it. I would certainly wouldn't release it. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Fantastic. Tell us a little bit about what's happening in in the storyline here, because it seems like you're covering a, a lot of ground here as, as yep. well. The castle ended up burning down. Um, some people think that maybe it was uh, an insurance thing, which it, it probably was knowing his past. Um, so the castle burnt down. That's the first line, burn, burn this place to the ground. And this, this ain't my kind of town, which is a reference to Frank Sinatra's Chicago and all that. <laughs> yeah. um, and then it's talking about him. Basically he's fleeing now. So there's, there's two 
there's two stories happening in this song side by side. There's the him leaving Chicago, um, and there's also the death of his business partner, partner Benjamin Peitzel, who they had a they had a scam going together that was kind of going sour, and he was Benjamin was like, I don't want to do this anymore, and Holmes was like, Well, okay then. Um, sort of lured him into a false sense of security and then ended up killing him. And then, because the the original idea was that they were going to fake Benjamin Peitzel's death and use a different corpse to cash in on the, um, on the, on the insurance. But in the end, he used his, he used his actual body in the end. Well, that was his plan, I think. But mm-hmm. I'm not sure. I'm not sure whether it happened or not, or whether they found his body before he could do that. So anyway, that was, there's kind of a section in the song where we talk, we talk about his death. We'll be Kings above all Kings, that section there. Mm -hmm. And then the rest of it is him, um, leaving Chicago, um, with Peitzel's kids. And I'm not really sure. I'm not really sure why he took, took the kids. Uh, I think he originally, he said he was going to look after them for Peitzel's widow. Um, Sorry, there's so so much so much to this story. I'm just trying to get it. Yeah, I'm I right in me. Ed. I think you're right on. Think, yeah, <laughs> yeah. It, it's a lot. And and I want to say, Peixel's the only murder he was actually convicted for. Yeah, and yet he 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 uh, denied it. He, he admitted to loads of murders that he wasn't convicted <laughs> to. <laughs> he denied Poor this money. one. <laughs> he was yeah. paid. Yes, my publisher for the sensational story. Yeah, yeah, he was. Yeah. There was uh, there was a lot of um, sensational uh, stuff in that memoir that he released, or he, I think he wrote it in prison. Um, so yeah, that was so there was that, and then so he was in the mi- middle of so there's a police hunt then for him because he had the it was either because of Peitzel's death or because of him taking his children. I think it was because of Peitzel's death actually. That's how the song ends then with him being on the run, running away. And then that leads nicely into the next track then. And thanks for going through this, Joe, because, you know, realizing that, you know, you, this was completed, what, a year and a half ago. So, you know, we're, uh, <laughs> yeah. we're, we're rummaging up old skeletons. Just keep the theme going. Way to go, uh, Paul. Very so, nice. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's funny yeah. you should say that, Paul, because as we round out the life of H.H. H. Holmes, it turns out he was buried less than five miles from me here in the city of Philadelphia, or the, the outskirts of Philadelphia, and he was uh, exhumed by University of Pennsylvania researchers. Hmm. When was he exhumed, Ken? 2017. Wow. So yeah, it was, it was recent, yeah. It's because they were... They were they weren't sure whether he was actually buried or not. That, I think that was the idea that he, he there was thoughts that he wasn't actually dead when when they said he was that he didn't get hanged or whatever. There's also talks of him being the the, the Ripper. There's timelines that suggest that he could have been Jack the, the Ripper. Ripper. Really, Jack the Ripper. Yeah, Jack the yeah. Ripper. I, I I don't think it's. I think there's some discrepancies that would suggest it isn't. But there was a a lot of talks about him being that being Jack the Ripper as well, but it's an interesting subject, but I didn't want to bring that, that into this. That would be devil in the white city part two. <laughs> the sequel. Yeah. Wait, you've already written it, right? Yeah. No, it's already done. No. 
Fortunately not, no. I well, think I'm you exhausted know, this one. The truth, the truth is, Joe, you, you could actually do a, 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 a traveling tour of the hotspots of, um, of H.H. Holmes because Ken and I are both in the Philadelphia area. Um, you could visit some of those spots. Joe is in, you know, Fort Worth, Texas. Really, all it really requires us is to, you know, jump on a plane and go to Chicago for, for a, a day or two. And who doesn't um, want to go to Chicago anyway? Exactly. Let's do it in the spring or summer, though, rather than clearly not now. Right now, so Mark that, Anthony K can cover the uh, Canadian excursion of Holmes. <laughs> oh yeah, there was that as well. Yeah, that's it. That's true. <laughs> and if he was Jack the Ripper, then I can cover London. Then can't I? <laughs> I can get on a train. I, I was I was in London, and I actually went on one of those Jack the Ripper walking tours at night. You know, which Ooh. you know, who knows how much. Uh, a lot of it is sort of fluff, but it's just fun to walk around a city at night hearing spooky stories. I, I thought it was great. I mean, a lot of times you wind up standing in some strange alley going, well, this alley didn't look like this, but there was something happened here. And you're like, okay, great. <laughs> but yeah, I'm, I, I support that, Paul. That's a, that's a really good plan. So take us out. Uh, take us to the end here. Okay, the beginning of so, the end. So this yeah. is basically the running part. Um so he was so at the end of the previous track he there's a there's a line where i say um i'm sorry young children i thought i could help you but you're only slowing me down so in he he murdered the children mm -hmm. that was one of he adamantly denied that from from the word go and until his death until the day of his death he said that i didn't do that but they i think he was possibly convicted of them if not it was it was basically they they thought it was definite yeah back then um so at this point he's on he's on his own and he's like like ken just said then he i think he i think he gets i can't remember where he gets caught but he is in canada at some point because the the police force that are following him a canadian i think i'm not sure anyway yeah um Right, they finally snagged him, I think, in New England, in Boston, or something, and then. Oh, was it Boston? But but, but oh, the detective assigned to him was a uh, Philadelphia detective, so they, he was yeah. tried and uh, killed in Philadelphia. But he was arrested for a series of horse thefts that he'd committed years prior. That's how that's how they caught him. I think that's how. Um, that, that's basically what led to his arrest, and then they tried him for other things. There's actually yeah. a line. A line in this song that says this horse has made an ass of me that's, that's based on him getting arrested for the nice. horse thefts. nice yes i stopped when that line passed by <laughs> did i hear what i think i heard <laughs> yes that, all right that would be the uh tax evasion equivalent of ranch h holmes right he was arrested exactly. on a lesser crime <laughs> yeah yeah because i had all, all like i said i had all the lyrics written there was a lot of um melodies that i had in place and then i got very much into the writing of the of riffs in, in this song particular and showing off a bit on the guitar to the point where I thought that I might have gone overboard with the music because there's quite large gaps between um, singing. So I did cut bits out, but even after I'd cut bits, there was still masses of instrumentals in this song. But in the end, I made an executive decision and left it all in there. Um, and I hope that song doesn't, go on too much <laughs> it it is i i'm glad that you did 
because I because I think it it it's a, it brings sort of some you know I don't know finality to uh, to where it is by this time you know we're as listeners we're we're all in I, I I do love how at the end it sort of ties into you know I was born with the devil in me it it yeah. ties into the you know the album the album name ties into the you know the very beginning where you, you talk about origins I think it's just a it's you know poetically. It, it wraps it wraps it all nice. And personally, Joe, thank you for taking us through because we've talked a lot about, you know, concepts and concept records and, you know, we never get the chance to, to go song by song with the artist to, to, you know, pick their brains and things. So for me, this, this is great. And I think it, you know, hopefully it enhances the experience uh, for, for those who listen. I'm sure, I'm sure it will. Uh, it's a, ple- a pleasure to talk through it. Like, like, um, sort of, Put it into perspective in my head as well, which is it's quite nice looking at it as, as a finished piece now after so, so much work has gone into it. Well, I approve of the new genre. And I, I, I do say you've gone in a slightly more palatable direction with some of these tracks, and I absolutely enjoyed it. Good. Glad to hear it. So, so Joe, at the beginning, of, before we got into to talking about the album, you said that the lyrics and the story were were first, and then you wrote the music after, which is a little bit different from the way you normally do it. So, given that perspective, was there was there any difference then in how the music was written? And, and we've talked before. Um, you know, normally you said you'll start on the bass, but did did that change for some of these tracks or all of these tracks? I know the 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 lyric music order was out of out of sequence, but was the 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 building of the music different then as well? So, I, I, I guess it was. So normally, when I write songs, I write them on on my computer. I use Guitar Pro and I'll use the keyboard here and just get down the the bare bones of of songs. But this album. I think pretty much every song except for Origin was the riffs were written on my guitar, mm. which which, I, which is very unusual for me to pick the guitar up and and play and, and write riffs on it. It's just I normally would write it on the computer and then then grab the guitar and and work out what I'm going to do afterwards. But because I had the vocal melodies already in my mind, it was easier to to write chord progressions with my guitar that way so that was a totally different way of doing it so yeah that was another another unusual uh, approach for me and it, and it again it worked really nicely i think it's, it's given it a different sort of edge than the previous albums is, is that something that you you know think you might want to or already have sort of explored going forward or are you going to sort of revert back to natural joe bailey sequence well the stuff i have been writing recently i've reverted back to the old ways so the music's already written and then i'll add the lyrics but if i if i've got a you know a, a specific um lyrical idea then maybe i should maybe i should uh, go down that path because it's worked well for me on this so i will do i will i'll have a go i'm i'm just you know i, I <laughs> yeah you know, you always hear people talk to artists. How do you write songs, right? And and I think for people who don't do it, it's it's a foreign concept. But for me, the idea—I mean, you can do it either way. And I'm I'm a big fan of whatever works today for me or for this particular song is 
the right way, right? I'm just, but it is, it's, it's a, I find it fun to sort of explore that aspect of it and, you know, trying to see the relationship and, and what part of, of a song drives the other parts. And I, uh, I don't know. I just get weirded out by stuff like that. Hmm. I will point out as well that the, the music, the music for the lyrics, um, I, I approached it with the subject in mind. So I wanted to have a sound for each song that sort of supported the lyrical idea of it. Um, I, I always knew that the, the origin song was going to have really, really big hard synths to kick the song in. Um, and then I, I knew that disappearing today was going to have a, a classical guitar at the beginning, which I did in the end as well. Um, I, I studied classical for a short while. Um, and so I used my brief knowledge, <laughs> what I learned before I stopped, um, and then put it, put it, pieced it together for that beginning of that song. Regarding the bass, selfish yeah. question here, but I'm in the market for a bass preamp. And I know the other two guys in this palaver are big fans of the DP 21 by uh, Doug Pennick. But um, do you endorse a particular bass preamp? Not really. So when it comes to um, gear, I am useless. I have zero knowledge of anything. <laughs> you, you listen to my albums and you would, you would not think so, but I just, I don't know anything about amps or anything i've literally plug it into into here and then i just mess around with amp sims until i got the sound that i like mm-hmm. it's pretty much how it works i use two different amp sims i use amp- amplitude for the sure. guitars yep. or or easy easy mix and easy mix is good for the bass as well nice um, i've also got i i always put the bass through a compressor first mm-hmm. um mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. so it's always compressed on the way in as well as then it gets um, stuff added to it in post as well. Wonderful. Wonderful. But yeah. I can't help you with preamps and stuff. <laughs> <laughs> no, it goes to show you can get a good sound without uh, spending a ton of money on hardware. So Joe, tell everybody, uh, give us the particulars, uh, release dates coming up, the, uh, where they can get it. What's the best way to, uh, What's the best way to stay tuned for the uh, super deluxe CD release that includes all of the, the black metal versions of, uh, of this? I'm just kidding. It, well, it might happen. You never know. <laughs> so the album is out on the 4th of March. Um, it is available on Bandcamp to purchase for four British pounds um, as a digital download. It will be that's available. A, that's on- a bargain. That's a, that's a bargain. Yeah. I don't want to push me luck. (laughs) (laughs) Um, it's available on the usual suspects, Spotify, Apple music and all them. So you can stream or, or download digitally wherever you would prefer. Obviously I would prefer Bandcamp because, uh, it's, it's a a more honest company. I think it's just, it's, um, it, it looks after the artists far more than the other companies would. We've had but, that conversation before. <laughs> yeah. 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 But wh- whatever you want to listen to it on, I'm happy with. Um, somewhere down the line, there will be a CD version of this. Um, my f- good friend, Steve, has 
uh, he's been working on the artwork for the booklet and the layout of the digipack so he, that's very much underway uh, so there will be a pre-order probably within the month after the release or something like that oh exciting nice that's all i can say i think so uh, really quickly we haven't normally when we're talking to you about one of your releases whether it's a joe bailey or a dark monarchy steve comes into the into the equation because we normally have all of the the visuals as well so how how has that collaboration gone for this record? Uh, you said Steve's working on it right now. So what was it the same as it always is? Like you, was he as as taken by the concept as you were? And he's like, oh, we can do this, that, and the other thing. Or or did you have to sort of work through something that that you felt matched what you were going for here? So um, obviously, we've been friends for a long time. So he was he was aware of this this um seed being planted a long time ago and he he was aware of the original black metal album as well so um <laughs> so he, he kind of knew um it was coming because I've, I've been talking about it for years so i gave him ideas for it in the booklet and he's kind of by the sounds of it i haven't seen any of what he's done in the book but he's kind of by the sounds of it stuck to the ideas that i i gave him cool the front the front cover was entirely him. Um, I didn't have a clue what what he was going to do, so that that was a really really nice surprise when he sent that to me. <laughs> it turned out really. Have you seen the cover? Did Did I send you the cover? Uh, well, I don't know. Well, we sent a picture. We you sent I, a picture of you. We have a picture should, of you. That's oh. I should, don't know. I, that that's I, a, I thought there was a picture of the cover in that folder as well. Maybe not. I don't think so. But yeah. It's on, it's on, it'll be on the Facebook page and it, um, I've plastered it over whatever <laughs> outlets I could find. So awesome. But there's no, no plans to do a music video this time around. So that was probably the only difference between this and the last album, but he, yeah, he's still very much hands-on and he kind of had a, an idea of what he was going to do and he ran with it and it, it's beautiful. Excellent. Can't nice. wait. Always excited for uh, to, to see Steve's work, and just quickly, so you know, we've got this coming out in in the digital download in in the early March. Uh, the Digipack CD probably a month or so later. You've already alluded to the fact that there are other songs already recorded, written, whatever the case may be. So, what's next for for Joe Bailey? So my. My the songs that I've been writing are in no way, no way, shape, or form ready to go yet. So that's that's at the very bottom of the pile at the moment. Next up, um, I'm working on two projects. There's a project that I have with Steve, um, which is kind of uh, I can't really describe it. It's like progressive metal, kind of there are moments of death metal. There are moments of jazz there are moments of everything and it's kind of ridiculous <laughs> but we've been working on this album for a while so we're going to get that wrapped up we've got a week booked in march to get the final parts recorded and then cool. i'll start i'll start mixing it um can't really go into any more detail than that really because um i need to discuss with steve how we're going to approach the the whole release but it's it's a great album um it's just probably not what you'd expect from 
me. Awesome. <laughs> <laughs> Only because I haven't released anything like this before. I've written stuff like this before, plenty, but I've never actually released it. So um, to anyone who doesn't know my old music, um, they, they wouldn't expect this. So there's that. And then uh, me and Mark have been writing the new Dark Monarchy album, Dark Monarchy 3. Nice. We have eight tracks done, music, eight pieces of music written. So we are ready to go on to the writing the lyrics now. So we're very deep into the process. So there's those, those two albums. Then once those two are wrapped up, it'll be time for my next album. So Awesome. Always nice. busy. You, you, oh, you are always busy, but we love the, uh, the output. And certainly appreciate you taking the time, Joe, to to, to sit down with us here and, and talk about this new record. We really enjoy it, and you know, best of luck with with the release, and and can't wait, you know, for my my physical copy at some undetermined point in the future. At this point, cool. It's always a pleasure. Always a pleasure. Anything else, Ken or Paul? Nope. Thanks, Joe. All right. Always fun Thank to talk you, with you, man. Joe, have a have a great day, my friend. Thank you, and you. We hope you've enjoyed this episode of Progressive Palaver. As always, we've enjoyed sharing the conversation with you, and we look forward to your thoughts, comments, feedback, and questions. You can reach us on Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter. We are at ProgPala on all of those, or search for Progressive Palaver. You're welcome to email us. Our email address is ProgPala, that's P-R-O-G-P-A-L-A, at gmail.com. Progressive Palaver is available for subscription and download on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Pandora, or presumably wherever you find your podcasts. And we are, as always, hosted on SoundCloud. So until next time, thanks for listening. I worked on that on my drive home last night. <laughs> Good job. Nice. <laughs> <laughs>